Hello, folks. This is episode one, Tub Club. Larry, how are you doing? Welcome, welcome, welcome. College <laughs> football is back and <laughs> will be full. Welcome to the Tub Club, where the Jets are always on and the temperature is always cranked all the way up. It's booming. I get no The way we're going to kind of do this is today's episode, we're going to talk futures. We have a great interview at the end of this, uh, you know, our, our little segment here with uh, Chris Felica. You may know him as the bear from College Game Day here at the end, kind of to add on to this conversation. But then uh, starting with our next episode, we're going to kind of mash together. We're going to call it week zero, right? Because this Saturday, what, we have five games kind of. They're not the greatest, but college football is back, so we're happy. Uh, so we're going to talk about that and next Saturday kind of combined as one. Um, so I say, hey, let's hop right into it. Uh, well, before we start talking, we're going to start with our conference winners. I, I want to put something out there and address something. Uh, at the time of this episode recording, we were featured on the Yak Today. Larry, we're now an anti-yak podcast. They did not mention the name of us, so we will not mention the name of them moving yep. forward. So the yak will now be known as... Shit, I, I'm... It'll just be known as the podcast or the show. The show, okay? All right. Fair enough. All right. Let's hop into it, though. Um, conference. What do we expect? What do we expect? What are we giving the people? Well, we're giving them winners. Um, we're giving them value, especially, you know, at the beginning of the season, when you're looking at futures, you're looking at value, right? You're going to see a lot of plus money today. You're going to see a lot of long shots. You're going to see a lot of me personally, I only have like one or two favorites in there because I think it's going to be a wild season. Um, but today we're going to go through conference winners. We're going to talk about team totals and give you our Heisman picks and our college football playoff uh, pred prediction. So Bubs has been watching film since February, but I still oh. his his picks will still be trash. Um, <laughs> that, that's what to expect. Um, I'll be giving out winners. Only winners. Um, he's been studying film, but it's useless. It's what I do. Last year I started, I had a lock of the week last year. I went 8 no to start the season. So take it for what it is. I even gave like a two-page summary before every game. Basically called the game. I'm like a fortune teller. I, I told the game how it was going to happen before the game happened. So take that for what it is. Let's hop into it. Larry, which conference are we starting with today? Let's start with the ACC, where the Clemson Tigers run the ACC. I, I'm in South Carolina. I'm not a Clemson fan. I mean, I might be a Clemson fan, kind of. But Clemson runs the ACC. Um, they are very, very chalky. I have them at minus 750. Um, they're just a no-brainer. Um, 
they'll play UNC in the championship. UNC has the best quarterback prospect. Sam Howell is a stud. He's the best prospect in college football as an NFL prospect. Um, they lost all of their skilled players, though. Uh, Clemson's quarterback, DJ Ugalele, is an absolute stud. He's a monster. He has experience on the field against in big games. Um, he's an absolute stud. And they also get uh, their star receiver back, Justin Ross. Uh, this kid didn't play last year due to an injury, but he torched Alabama in the 2019 championship. He's also a dark horse Heisman candidate. Justin Ross, watch out for him. Absolute stud. He'll be back. He'll be the best receiver in college football. First off, never trust anyone that spells Justin with a Y. Uh, big red flag right off the bat. Number two, wide receiver won't win another Heisman for another 20, maybe 30 years. It's going to be, it's going back to quarterback as it's always been. So if we're talking ACC, I see it as four teams Clemson. Miami, UNC, and Vodtech, actually, uh, I think is kind of a sleeper in there. But my winner and who I have, and, and we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about a lot throughout this episode, is Miami. Derek King is my, my favorite player going into this season, not just as a fan, but from a college football perspective, everything he can do on the field. He took that Miami team and turned it around. Manny Diaz, terrible coach, but it comes down in college football. Coaches recruit more than coaches coach than they do in the NFL, if that makes any sense. So I have Miami winning the ACC. Um, I got them at, let me give you a quick number here, Miami at plus 1,000 to win the ACC. Lock it in. I think it's a great pick. DJ Ugalele. He struggled in Notre Dame. He's kind of like a fatter Dante Culpepper that, yeah, that's how I think of him. Get that out of here. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, Larry, who we got next? Uh, well, just back to Miami. Their schedule is extremely difficult. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, they have no chance. I do like the money there. Um, they have a lot of players coming back. Um, I do. Plus, there's value there, but they're not going to win. So that put Bubs down as 0-1 for the season already. I give value. Larry gives. Larry goes with the favorites. So take that. Yeah, I mean, plus, plus 750 is not great value for Clemson. But uh, you had to pick one. There's you a said favorite. minus 750, I thought, right? Yeah, no, sorry, minus. Okay, okay. Minus 750. Um, All right. So moving right along. Uh, let's move to the Big Ten. Ah, Bubs' home conference. My conference, baby. So I'll start with this one. Uh, I wrote a blog. It's on the bookies' basement. Go check it out. I break down the East and the West team by team, where I think it's going to go, projected standings. Check out bookies' basement, thebookiesbasement.com. Anyways, in the East, uh, I don't trust – C.J. Stroud at Ohio State, they lose their offensive line. Uh, I think two or three of their starting offensive linemen. You have a freshman quarterback who's never thrown a pass in D1 football. Um, you got pressure behind him. He's got a couple, two five-star recruits, I believe, behind him. So Ohio State, I think, definitely overrated this year. 
Uh, as much as as much as that means, I don't mean they're going to go winless by any means or two, three wins. They're just not going to be in the championship. So I have Indiana in the championship, and I am a huge Hawkeye fan. I think Spencer Petrus is going to have a great year at quarterback. However, I think um, you know COVID really destroyed Wisconsin last year with from how they started to how they finished. Like you can tell when COVID hit them. I think if they stay healthy, they return a ton of players. I got Wisconsin, Indiana in the championship. And I have Wisconsin at plus plus 600 to win the Big Ten. I like that pick. Um, Wisconsin season's very easy. Um, they get a lot of not good teams coming to them. Um, they did get screwed last year. But, I mean, it's Ohio State. Ohio State wins this. They win the Big Ten. Um, they go 12-0. They beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. And that's just it. C.J. Stroud is a stud. Um, Ryan, I just trust Ryan Day with uh, quarterbacks, a uh, proven coach that he, he has a history. He's good with quarterbacks. Uh, they have a good rookie running back, Trevion Henderson. Uh, Master Teague's still there as a uh, veteran running back. Um, they have five-star recruits up and down their defense. Um, they're they're just gonna win the Big Ten like they do every year. Josh. Who's the uh, Who's the NFL receiver whose son is playing wide receiver at Ohio State right now? Is it Marvin Harrison's son? Uh, I'm, thinking uh, of, I'm thinking of Chris Oakley, but that he's not a. No, one second. Uh, we're gonna. Just, you know, this is how we do it in the tub club. Just kind of NFL son, receiver, Ohio State. Let's see if I was right here. I'm going to look at our roster. Uh, yeah, Marvin Harrison's son. I was right. So basically a genius. Um, also <laughs> another team to watch out. In Marvin the- Harrison the third then? Isn't Marvin Harrison already? No, no, I'm thinking a different Marvin. <laughs> Uh, who's, the Detroit, who's the Detroit Lions? He's still in the NFL. No. Martin Harrison Jr., dang. 6'3", 205. Yeah, no, he, he puts Four up uh, – he has, he's a great Twitter follow. Uh, puts up a lot of his highlight videos, so, yeah, I like him. But, no, uh, another team to watch out for in the East, Maryland. Uh, Tua's little brother. Uh, quarterback, played last year. There's a crazy stat I wrote about, about how many sacks they give up a year, but – they return a lot of offensive linemen, so Maryland's another team. They're going to be up there. But, again, Indiana, Wisconsin. I got Wisconsin as the winner. Lock it in. Yeah, I'm taking Ohio. Ohio State over Wisconsin. Lock that in. I mean, you're not getting much value or money for Ohio State, but they're not going to they'll go 12-0. Um, they'll win the Big Ten championship. Wisconsin is just – Wisconsin will choke, if not, if, if not in the championship game earlier in the season. No, no. Let, quit picking favorites. All right, let's go. Next one. Uh, let's let's move on to the Big 12. Uh, and I'm actually taking Bub's alumni or alum, alumnus. Um, I will take Iowa State. I think Brock Purdy is very good at playing quarterback. I think Brees Hall is a nasty running back. I think they're both Heisman candidates. Uh, not saying either of them are going to win. Uh, they also have some very good tight ends. 
Uh, they're returning most, if not all, their starters. Um, I got them at plus 290. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, Iowa State's the team. Um, I don't really even want to talk about Oklahoma. I just I hate Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> this is my first non-chalk pick, and I'm taking uh, my co-host, the alum. He, he went to Iowa State, but he doesn't even believe in them. What the that? So I, I root for them every time they, they don't play Iowa. Otherwise, I will root for them. So a couple of things. Brock Purdy, Arizona State, the state of Arizona Gatorade Player of the Year in high school. Little known fact. Uh, but he's a game manager. And sometimes he can't even do that well. So Brees Hall, I'll give you that. Great running back. Uh, it looks like David Montgomery 2.0. Uh, you're right. I don't like Oklahoma either. Spencer Rattler, I don't, I think is wild. I think he played in the big 12 championship against an Iowa state team that I feel personally is overrated and that's non-biased. He didn't do that well. So I, I have no idea why he is the Heisman favorite right now, but we'll get into that later. That being said, my pick, uh, if you don't already follow stats of war on Twitter, uh, TCU is my pick. They return all 22 starters. Gary Patterson is the longest tenured coach in the Big 12. Great coach, knows the system, knows how to manage the game, knows, you know, isn't going to go be hectic and do something crazy with the veteran status returning, with the team as is. I think the Big 12 is going to beat each other up. I think there's no real like leg up. Like, I think. Each team, I think the winner of the Big 12 may have three losses. Uh, and that's a wild thing. Uh, two losses, I guess, is more, you know, you know, feasible. But TCU, you know, just from what I looked at, again, go read my blog on thebookiesbasement.com. Break down both what I call the North and South. But, yeah, TCU, I love them. I think they're going to, you know, they'll be in the championship, and I think they will win the Big 12. I got TCU at – Plus 1,200. They were like the fourth ranked uh, in the Big 12, so great value. Yeah, I can see Spencer Rattler uh, throwing double-digit interceptions this yeah, year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, easily. Kind of a wild card. <clears throat> uh, let's move right along. Uh, next we have the Pac-12. Yes, sir. I, I think the Pac-12 is uh, – Pretty deep this year. I'm actually excited for some uh, late night Pac-12 games. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's Bring a back couple... West Coast Rico. Yeah, I mean, so there's two teams in the north, and there's probably three or four teams in the south. Um, Washington and Oregon in the north, and then uh, who do you like in the south, Bubs? Uh, my south is my pick to win the Big Twelve. I got Arizona State. Uh, Jalen Daniels, uh, I think he's going to be outstanding junior quarterback. Uh, Herm Edwards is not a college football quarterback. So this kind of Arizona State and Miami are kind of the same where I think their quarterback is just going to run people. Their coaches aren't going to help things. So Edwards is a great, Herm Edwards is a great coach. He's a great NFL coach. He's not a great college coach. I think there's a huge difference. Saban, one of the greatest college football coaches of all time. Sucked at the Dolphins. They did. What's up with the Pac-12 and NFL coaches? I guess Chip Kelly was first the college coach, but. Yeah, you got Pete Carroll. Uh, Pete Carroll is, I think, the only one that's ever succeeded. So, 
Um, other than that, I mean, Barry Switzer with the Cowboys, let's go. Um, otherwise, no, but I like Arizona State uh, to win the Pac-12. I think USC is going to be back. Uh, not all the way, but they're coming back. They're slowly getting there. I think, Utah. Uh, Utah's good, too. Yeah. I, Utah's a team I never – I didn't get a really good look at, uh, you know, preview-wise. That The South's tough. Arizona yeah. State, Utah, USC. Yeah. And, I mean, U, UCLA, too. Um, you see, oh, yeah. UCLA is going to be a good team this year. I can tell you that. UCLA will beat USC this year. Mark my words. Hot take. Yeah. We'll get to that week. We'll get to that week here in the future. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm taking Oregon at plus 260 is what I got them at uh, to win. Um, yeah, no. your pick's Arizona State. Yeah, Arizona State is plus 400. They're the third-ranked uh, value in the uh, in the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, I'm still taking the, the first-ranked team, but uh, – Nope. They're all plus money. There's all good value. Um, yeah, there's there's no uh, favorite in the Pac-12 like there is for the other four Power Five conferences. Which is nice. But, um, uh, Washington State also. I like your Washington pick. Don't get me wrong. And I don't think Washington State's going to go off and you know win the Pac-12 or be in the championship game. They are going to be a much improved team. They have this mobile quarterback that I watch – just ran. Oh, well, Colorado was my baby last year. I watched every Colorado game. Uh, so I saw some Washington state action, their quarterback that they have, he did hurt his hand in spring ball, but uh, mobile quarterback dude just wings it and just tosses it up and hopes someone catches it. I uh, love the guy, but yeah, Washington obviously is a great pick USC. Great pick, but Arizona state's going to win the pack 12. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so moving on to our last Power Five conference. The biggest one. SEC country. I'm going to take a wild guess because one thing for the listeners, Larry and I don't share our picks together before so we can share our genuine reaction with the listener. I'm going to take a wild guess and say Larry's picking Alabama to win the SEC, but Larry, go right ahead. Yeah, Alabama. Might as well take it. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Uh, Alabama's they'll go 12 and all. I'm not a huge fan of Bryce Young, but it doesn't matter. There's there's five stars all over the defense, all over their offense. They have kids that have just been sitting there waiting. Nick Saban's been yelling at them every day in practice. Uh, they're just gonna win. Um, there are other good teams in the SEC. Um, uh, Texas AM's very good. I think they could compete. Um, I think Mississippi State will be much improved. I do like Mike Mike Leach a lot. Um, once Fuck he can Brandon get it up there, well, I'm uh, what? What was that? Fuck Brandon Walker. <laughs> yeah, that, whatever. <laughs> they'll still go. They'll still go uh, six and six, but I think they'll be better than they were last year. Uh, <laughs> if they could be exciting and score points, um, I'm pretty sure they scored like six points over three weeks last year. It was, gr- yeah. it was a gross team to watch. Uh, yeah. Old Miss, Old Miss could be exciting too. Lane Kiffin, see, baby. Uh, um, and then there's the other side, but I, I mean, Georgia, Georgia could be good, but they'll choke somewhere. They'll choke week one, they'll lose to Clemson. And then they, they might not be able to recover from that. Um, yeah, I mean, Alabama chalk, give me the chalk Alabama minus 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 one sixty five, which 
I feel like they're usually a heavier favorite than that. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. I feel like they're usually minus at least 200, if not more, every year. Big time. I mean, it is saying something about the SEC. Um, but what do you got, Bubs? Yeah. So, number one, let's talk about your Alabama pick. Uh, Bryce Young is hot garbage. We're, we actually talked to the Bear about that here in our interview. Uh, this goes back to years past. So if you remember like Alabama six, seven years ago where they had A.J. McCarron, John Parker Wilson. Um, Greg McElroy. McElroy. Who was the one where Musburger said like he has a hot girlfriend? Uh, was that McCarron? A.J. McCarron, yeah, he's married to Catherine Webb, who was like Miss, Miss Georgia. Fun fact. Anyways, yeah. so yeah, we're going back to those days. You know, the past couple of years, you've seen the Alabama offense take – these teams to the national championship back in the day, you saw the defense and the game manager quarterback take it from there. So this year, I think Bryce Young is not a good quarterback for Alabama standards. Um, their defense though is wild uh, projected like four first round picks on the defense. As of today, that being said though, it's the sec. Uh, the sec is turning into like, the, the, the new Big 12 where it's offense, 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 offense. So that being said, oh, and you lose uh, Steve Sarkeesian to Texas, your offensive coordinator. That's huge. Uh, that being said, uh, uh, Georgia is my pick. JT Daniels lit it up towards the end of last season last year. Uh, Georgia's always been there. They're like the Wisconsin of the Big Ten. They've always been there, but then just get so close and, and miss out. This is the year where I think they put it all together. I really like the team, both offense and defense. Uh, I think the team is solid. Uh, their schedule, I love them against Clemson. I'm, I'm hot. I'm giving away one of my picks for our next episode, but love them against Clemson at plus four right now. Um, another team to watch out for. And you call me crazy, whatever you want. I love Arkansas this year. Love them. You get rid of Brett Bielma. You got a great quarterback. God damn, I can't think of his name at this time. I watched him all last year. Uh, he looks like a 40-year-old man. Uh, it, wasn't, it was Frank's last year. Uh, we'll look it up. We'll look it up, and we'll, I'll edit it back. But Arkansas quarterback. I, don't, I think Arkansas's quarterback got drafted. No. All right. I'm looking it up. Felipe Frank. Yeah, he got hurt, though. And then this dude came in and tore it up. Arkansas quarterback, K.J. Jefferson. There we go. K.J. Jefferson. Yeah. Watch out for him. He's going to be S great. Such uh, a thing to have. Like, let's just have two initials as our first name. I mean, you got a lot of great people with uh, J.T. Barrett, A.J. McCarron, um, Y.B., <laughs> uh, you know, a, a number of people, but anyways, I get Georgia though, to win the sec. I think both sides of the ball, they're solid. I got them at plus 400, uh, to win the sec. I think it's a solid pick and, um, yeah, the sec, I think the other conferences, when I say other conferences, I mean, big 10 and ACC and big 12, are catching up to the SEC. They're no longer this powerhouse that just controls college football. I think the rest of the rest of the uh, the country is kind of 
catching up to the SEC and they're no longer that overall powerhouse. Uh, but I think right now, though, the public still thinks the SEC is that God almighty, you know, power conference, which don't get me wrong, they are a great conference. However, people are missing out on the value on those other groups. Yeah, I mean, it's very top heavy. Um, yeah, true. Not a, lot of, not a lot of depth. I mean, I do like Auburn. I like Bo Nix. I like Tank Bigsby. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's just bottom feeders that will always be there. Bo Nix, a two-letter first name. So you just contradicted yourself. Bo Nix is terrible. Miles Brennan getting hurt. Uh, that really, I mean, I always root for um, Coach O. So that, that kind of sucked this year. Um, I was really looking forward to watching him play. Um, so LSU, I know their backup is very good and their fans want, wanted him to play. Uh, but overall, though, again, finishing this one off, Georgia wins the SEC, and that's, what, that's where we'll stand. All right. Um, I have a bonus conference. Um, oh, yeah. Yep. I, I went to Coastal Carolina. I'm a Chanticleer. Um, I'm picking them to win the Sun Belt or the Fun Belt. Coastal's plus 160. They're returning 20 out of 22 starters. Their two starters that they lost got drafted. They're playing the NFL now. Um, they have the best tight end in the country, Isaiah Likely, who's actually from right where I grew up outside of Boston. They have a very good defensive end in Jeffrey Gunther. Um, they're returning 22 starters. Their quarterback, Grayson McCall's an absolute stud. Uh, he will be an NFL quarterback one day. Um, but I mean, they're gonna, they're gonna win the Sun Belt. Um, and plus, plus 160. They weren't the favorite. Um, they're still they not weren't? getting No, Louisiana Lafouette's the favorite. Uh, the Raging Cajuns. Yeah. Uh, started off, uh, they started off the season last year by beating, uh, Iowa State. Yeah. I mean, so they're, they're in the rankings right next to each other too. In the preseason rankings, it's, it's like 22 and 23 or 24 or 20, 23 and 24, depending on what polls poll you look at. Um, but yeah, I mean, BYU took that game and thought they would come and beat Coastal. And I mean, Coastal beat up Zach Wilson, um, Teddy Gall, shout out Teddy Gallagher and Jeffrey Gunther. They just bullied Zach Wilson and threw him down to the turf. Um, yeah, I mean, they'll be playing on their teal turf. Uh, and I, I, they'll also show up. They'll show up throughout the year. So get the Coastal Carolina being talked about on this podcast. So let's be clear. And then we're going to move to team totals. Larry's picking all favorites and then his favorite football team to win the Sun Belt. Um, <laughs> I, I picked Iowa State. I also shout out to your, your, your school you graduated from. I didn't I even pick Iowa State. to win the Big Ten. That's how, that's how, like, the listeners should know, like, hey, value's right here. You want to make money? Listen to Buck. Crazy, also, crazy guy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I do not have a Sunbelt pick. I focus my attention strictly on the Power Five, but I think it's good analysis from Coastal Carolina, from Law right there, kind of breaking it down by players and uh, telling us what we can expect. What's next, Olaf? Uh, team totals. Let's get into some team totals. Um, I mean, I'll go first. It's my lock. It's also Coastal Carolina, so let's just keep it on. <laughs> <laughs> Their team total set at 10, which is outrageous. Uh, I got over 10, minus uh, 115. Um, their strength of schedule is just not that good. Um, I'm going to be real. 
Their their toughest game is at um, App State later on in the season, um, but they'll they'll handle App State easily. Um, they also go to Buffalo early in the season, but Buffalo lost their coach. Buffalo's coach now coaches Kansas. Kansas. So Kansas also comes to Coastal, and I mean they beat Kansas last year, which kind of got them going. I, I mean Kansas stinks at football, so it's really yeah. it's not not going to be like a, a notable win if you beat Kansas. True, true, true. Uh, so yeah, Coastal over ten. It's uh, lock it in. Um, they should go twelve and zero. For the listeners, I'll put our listing up on a graphic in case you're not writing these down right now. But go right ahead, Larry. Uh, do you want to, you want to go for one? I mean, I have a big list. I think we should just go like you do yours and then I'll do mine. Yeah. I got, I got another, another over I'm taking Wisconsin. Bubs talked about them earlier. They got screwed last year. Yep. So I got Wisconsin over nine and a half. This was minus one. Love it. Uh, It's their schedule is easy. I mean, they get Penn state, Eastern Michigan, Notre Dame, all at home in Michigan. First four weeks, they just get to stay home. Um, Notre Dame's not going to be ready yet. Penn State stinks. Um, they're going to go four and zero and get very hot. They they get Iowa later on. They do, they just don't. It's an easy schedule. Um, they should really win twelve games, but even eleven one, um, there's still wiggle room. They only need to get you ten to get hit the over. Um, yeah. I, I also think that's a lock. Um, yeah. I, I'm kind of shocked it's at nine and a half. Um, Right, though. Yeah, no, I, I am 100. Whenever Larry and I agree, the listeners should take notice because I couldn't agree more with that pick. I think your analysis hit it on the spot. And yes, I'm all in on that as well. Um, so moving on, talked about them. They play they play Wisconsin week one going Penn State under eight and a half. That's plus 105. Um, I think Penn State stinks. Uh, <laughs> Grant, I mean, they just quit last year, which I hate. Like you yep. can't have room of guy that just give up. I know COVID sucked, but like you just can't have. If you start building that culture, it's not good. And unfortunately, I think that's that's just a bad culture to have. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they had some players that opted out, um, but they're at Wisconsin Week One, which is, I mean, it's a loss. I could see them. It's just going to go downhill from there. They do get Ball State after that, who did win the MAC last year. Could be a tough game. Could be. Um, and then Auburn comes in. Um, but later on in the season, they're at Iowa, at Ohio State, at Maryland, and at Michigan State. Um, I mean, you're not going to Iowa and beating them. You're not going to Ohio State and beating them. Maryland's a tough place to play. Michigan State's a tough place to play. Uh, I mean, they're, they're just not going to win nine games. Believe it or not, what – yeah, no, I agree. Believe it or not, you know, we do agree on two picks back-to-back here. Uh, Trace McSorley, uh, they did start off 0-4, 0-5 after that loss to Indiana. Uh, but they did finish well, – we'll give them some credit. They did finish like 4-0, and I think. But, you know, it comes down to it. Trace McSorley is incredibly inconsistent. You put him at Iowa, at Ohio State, at McSorley. He plays for the Baltimore Ravens. Or who their quarterback is. Um, uh, what? McSorley plays for – I'm almost positive he plays for the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> I'm getting crossed up here. 
Who's their quarterback this year? Sean Clifford? Uh, he's, he's probably a bump. No, hold up. I'm editing this out. <laughs> Trace McSorley. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's Sean Clifford. I got go. my name. Yeah, I got my names mixed up. That's my bad. McSorley uh, did go to Penn State. Yeah, I know he did. That's why I got my names mixed up. Sean so Clifford. Packard, so did a lot of bad quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, Sean Clifford, I love that pick. Um I think they lost an assistant coach too. Uh, they actually got some uh, a really good uh, offensive coordinator. I can't think of his okay. name. Wrote about him, but yeah, I don't know why I was saying McSorley. Uh, but no, Sean Clifford, wildly inconsistent last year. Uh, just you know, he actually had a good first season. This is his third year. Last year, downfall. I don't see him coming back. Um, Maryland, like I said earlier, love the team. They ain't winning there. You're not winning at Ohio State. You're definitely not winning at Iowa. Michigan State, I think, is going to be a bottom feeder this year, so that could be it. But, again, there's no way they're getting to eight and a half, so I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah, and so I got one more. It's LSU under eight, and that was plus 115. Um, I just don't think LSU is very good. Uh, they're at UCLA one week one. Which, which is, I like. It's tough for them to travel. I think they're going to lose um, at Mississippi State. They play Auburn. They're at UK, at Old Miss, at Bama. I mean, I can. There's definitely four, maybe five losses in there. Um, so yeah, I, I. They're just not going to get the eight. Love it. All right. Uh, so just this is how we do it here at the Tub Club. Dryer's going off, so I have to shut that <laughs> off real quick. Get the hot towels out. Get the, Get the hot, hot towels, towels out. out. Okay. Anyways, all right. So I'm going to run through mine. I got a couple more than Larry, and then we'll kind of just touch on some, and I'll just tell you what I like the best here. I'm going to run through them all, and then I'll just circle back real quick. I got Alabama, and these are mostly uh, between minus 105, minus 140. There's a couple plus money in there. Uh, Alabama under 11 and a half. ASU, Arizona State, over eight and a half. Again, I have them winning the Pac-12. Arkansas, like we talked about, KJ Jefferson, over five and a half. Clemson, I don't like DJ Ugalili, Ugalulu. Um, I think, um, again, they don't even make the ACC championship game. Ugalili. I, I can never say it right. <laughs> um, one of my favorites, Kansas, under one and a half. Kansas is not winning two games this year. I will put a lot of money on that. Uh, Maryland over five and a half. Talked about them to his little brother leading the charge. Offensive line coming back. Miami over nine and a half. Again, I have them winning the ACC. And so this one is dependent on Derek King staying healthy. There's been a couple seasons where he gets hurt. Just I just need him to stay healthy and we're going to be great. Uh, this one is my one bias pick out of all my picks. Nebraska, uh, Iowa's little brother, under six and a half. They're going through investigations right now. Scott Frost, what are you, what are you doing there, bud? And they, they lost got, their quarterback too. No, Adrian Martinez is playing, or did he get hurt? No, McCaffrey's brother played last year. Well, they split uh, McCaffrey and Adrian Martinez. They, but, they but, stunk. I mean, they were bad at football. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. But they were both just like um, – uh, Tebow was at quarterback, but smaller. They just they couldn't throw the ball. They just ran it. Yeah. 
But Adrian Martinez is back, and yeah, he is. He's really bad. Um, Ohio State under 11 again. C.J. Stroud, a couple offensive linemen lost. 11's a big number. So, again, this is the one that doesn't have the .5 there. So, unless they make the Big 12 or Big 10 championship and win it, you're going to get a push. Uh, Same thing with Oklahoma. I have them under 11. I just, like I said earlier, I think the Big 12 is going to beat up on each other. Rutgers under 5. This is Shiano's second year with the team uh they did start off hot last year but they just don't they don't have it together and lastly tcu over seven and a half returning all their starters gary patterson coach so circling back just to the ones i really like there tcu um is going to be a tough one because again the big 12 is going to be up on each other but kansas under one and a half alabama under 11 and a half and then Arkansas over five and a half. Those are my three money picks that I think are, oh, in Maryland over five and a half are really just no doubt winners that I feel very confident and going to put a significant amount of change on. What do you think? I can't get on board with Alabama. Um, They're going to win all 12 games. Uh, I can get on board with Kansas. New new coach from Buffalo. Um, yep. Not Don't even know who their quarterback is yet. Have, he doesn't have any of his players. Yeah. Um, I thought their quarterback just wasn't – he's not a pocket passer. No, he runs all over the place. He can't complete a pass. Uh, they tried doing dual quarterback, you know, scenario, and just wasn't happening. So, yeah, good luck with that, uh, whoever Buffalo's coach is. R.I.P. You shouldn't uh-huh. leave. You had a program in Buffalo where you were successful and you leave to go to Kansas. I mean, that, that just doesn't make sense to me. I get wanting to go to a power five school and probably get paid a lot more money, but why not wait it out another year to be successful with Buffalo and go somewhere else? But anyways, he's coming, he's coming in right after the last miles was awful too. Yeah. Last miles. Oh, like, uh, yeah, he's, he's kind of, he's uh Yeah. Not not good, we'll say. Kind of a scumbag. All right, uh, Larry, what do we got next? Uh, so let's move on to uh, – so we did – real quick, we did get uh, two picks from Bear. Um, so tune in after this uh, to hear our conversation with Bear. Um, it's about 30, 35 minutes. Bear's awesome. He just just talk, talk football, talk life. Um, but he did give two win totals that he really likes one over one under so tune in after this to hear that conversation and get his picks great and uh, so also one other one other thing to make is that we're getting these odds that we're listening to you uh from betfred so i want to say shout out betfred great book great sports book i think they're available in four or five states right now definitely expanding colorado iowa uh, i can't name the other ones but my favorite book, best customer service. Love Betfred. If you can, if they're available in your state, go to Betfred. But Larry, go right ahead. Sorry. Uh, so moving right on, we're going to move on to Heisman. Um, we're going to give our picks and talk about a couple candidates. Um, there's a lot of value at Heisman. Um, it's very hard yep. to pick a Heisman correct. 
Um, there's definitely a lot of value there. Um, Bob said it earlier. It's, it's probably 99.9% chance of a quarterback getting picked. Uh-huh. I did give a dark curse earlier that I did want to mention again. It's Justin Ross. Uh, he had six catches for 150 and a touchdown in the national championship game in 2019 against Bama. He just got cleared a couple weeks ago to play. He's a stud. He's going to light it up. It'll be very hard for him to win, but he is a dark house there Four wide receivers. There are some decent running backs. Also talked about one, Brees Hall earlier. Um, if he gets enough touches, which they're going to feed him, um, they have multiple tight ends that will block for him at Iowa State. Uh, B.J. Robinson was also up there, Tank Bigsby. John. Um, John Bigsby. Um, B-I-J-A. John. <laughs> um, but, I mean, Texas stinks. Um, but what, 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 what quarterbacks do you like? I mean, we talked about Rattlers on favorite. And I so, I want to start off with a stat. Is that the preseason Heisman favorite since 2001 has not – has only won the Heisman one time. That one time was Marcus Mariota, I think, in 2001. I think the last time or 2000 – I couldn't tell you the date. Anyways, last 20 years. I want to put that stat out there for all you Spencer Rattler uh, fan guys that or and girls uh, that want to put money on him for Heisman. Better beware. Just saying. Anyways, that being said, my Heisman picks for quarterbacks. Uh, De'Aaron King, we talked about him. He stays healthy. He is one of the most electric players in not just the ACC and college football in general. And then also Jaden Daniels. If he takes Arizona State, takes them to win the Pac-12, and goes from there, has a successful year, you got to watch out. I mean, that's something else. Now, those are the two I'm putting money on, uh, myself personally. Uh, and I get De'Eric King at plus 2,000. I get Jaden Daniels at plus 3,500. My two dark horses that I have on my end is number one, Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback for Indiana. Uh, you can get him right now at plus 4,000 at Bet Fred. Uh, basically, if he didn't tear his ACL last year, I think Indiana could have won the Big Ten last year. Um, they were still very successful with their backup quarterback, but he is back, confirmed fully healthy. Love what they got going on there. Love. He fits. I'm not sure if he fits like the NFL protocol. He is Antoine Randall reincarnated. So just take that for what you may. And my other, you know, just kind of player to watch for is a running back is the only thing, only other non quarterback that I have on my watch list. Mohammed, Mohammed Ibrahim, the running back from Minnesota. He averaged over five yards of carry last year. Um, there was a couple other great stats I can't think of off the top of my head. I'm just kind of rattling right now, but I love him. Watched him play a number of games. Basically my Saturdays, I have three screens set up. I watch as much college football as I can afterwards on Sundays. I mean, I watch some NFL, but it's more rewatching certain games that were really great the day before or rewatching certain players. I remember watching him and seeing that that guy will be in the NFL someday. He is something special. Uh, Mohammed Ibrahim is at plus 10,000. Definite long shot player to watch, but want to put that out there. 
Um, all right. I'll oh, go I'll ahead. Take DJ, you go early. <laughs> plus plus 750. <clears throat> uh, he's going to throw for 300-plus yards a game, multiple touchdowns. So probably rushing, double-digit touchdowns. Um, he's just an absolute monster. Um, he's ready. Dabo's got him working. Dabo's going to – they got him working in camp. I mean, he already has the experience last year. Um He's 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 the guy I like the most, and I mean plus plus seven fifty, it's just good money. Um, and he's not the favorite. He's uh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> one thing, the one good thing, I, I was listening to a PMT interview with the Jets GM. I can't wasn't too long ago, but he had a great quote in there that said if Justin Herbert, he would have picked Justin Herbert over all quarterbacks, and he goes if Justin Herbert would have played in the SEC, he would have won the Heisman, no question. But it's all about people look to those conferences. He played in Oregon. Nobody, I mean, people watched him, but you know, you, you don't got as many people, you know, looking at that, not as many primetime games. You know, you're not as much focus as the SEC gets. So that's the only reason I would agree with DJ Uga Ugalele. I said it right. Um, he plays in a power conference, um, ACC, SEC, but. Still, I'm sticking to my guns, Derek King and Jane Daniels. Yeah, I like a better – I mean, to your point, like, it's Oklahoma's quarterback, it's Ohio State's quarterback. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Bama's quarterback. Those are the favorites for the Heisman. Yep. Those guys haven't played. I mean, JT Daniels is also up there. He's played. But DJ has playing experience. Uh, he did get in big games last year. Um yep. So uh, that's I I do like him there, but there are there's a lot of value in a lot of players at Heisman, but he he's my personal pick. All right, Larry, let's wrap this up. What's our last segment? Playoff predictions, baby. All right, uh, still you only start. Four, still only four teams this year. Um, it sounds it sounds like talks are coming or they're happening. Um, what's the right number, bumps? What is the right number? for us to move to in the next couple of years? Uh, 12 or 16. I, I think the more, the better. I think if anything uh, that COVID proved last year is that teams can rearrange schedules, move around the country, figure things out on a whim. You know, no one predicted a pandemic to happen last year, but we still made college football happen. And I still, and I think, you know, yeah, you got your four team playoff. That's great. And they say, oh, you can't do 12. How are you going to do that? Or, you know, the, the scheduling or getting teams here and there. I think the pandemic, if one positive came out of the pandemic, it was it was proof that we can do anything, rearrange, uh, adapt and improvise. Navy SEALs. I mean, March Madness, like they do it. They have so many teams. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, with March Madness, you can do like Duke can play two days in a row. And then they could play four games in what is it, five days? Yeah. But you, you can't ask Alabama to play four games in five. You know what I'm saying, right? No, but that it's still 64 teams in a matter of like six weeks. Like yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Let let's do eight teams in a matter matter of six weeks. Like that's doable. True, true. No, I agree. We don't need. Um, to, I mean, it can happen through the bowl season. Like most the national championship, like in the playoff, like they have weeks off like three yeah. week or four weeks 
it should go closer to the Super Bowl, I think. Like, get closer to February rather than having it on January 6th, 7th, whenever it is. So, uh, so you're sticking with eight. I'm saying 16. I would love 16. I think it would be amazing because – all right, this is my last comment, then we'll get to our predictions. But to see a team like uh, – let's just say Coastal Carolina, number 15 in the nation at the end of the year, get hot and start just running through and – make it to a national championship game. People want to see a non-Power 5 have that ability, not be in the game, but have the ability to be in the game. And right now with four teams, it's just impossible. Yeah, I think eight I think eight gets us a couple more Power 5 teams and then maybe a Cincinnati or, or a Coastal or a non-Power 5. Yeah. Um, like UCF a couple of years ago got screwed. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think I think eight's the right move. Um, just make it manageable till we can get to maybe sixteen. Um, All right. Well, for this year, let's get down to it. Brass tacks. Who's your four? So going backwards, we're going Wisconsin number four. I think Wisconsin maybe loses one game and it might be it's, I mean, so my prediction is that they lose the big 10 championship um, and still get the four seat. Um, My number three team is Alabama. Um, I think Alabama goes 12 and 0, but to your point, um, they're not going to be blowing out teams like they were last year. They're not going to be scoring 40 points a week. It's not Max, not Devontae Smith. It's not Najee Harris. Um, it's going to be more close, gritty games, which that's why I put them at number three. It's not going to be as impressive as the previous Bama's teams and just blowing teams' doors off. Yeah. Um, my number two team is Clemson. Um, we all know I'm not a Clemson fan, but I love Clemson. Um, at number two, they're going to go 12 and 0. They're going to win the ACC. Um, they're going to be blowing teams out. Um, ACC is just not that good. They're going to smoke your Miami Hurricanes. Uh, and then my number one team is Ohio State. Um, I have Ohio State beating Wisconsin. Um, they're going to go 13-0. Um, Big Ten is good, um, so it's going to be tough games, uh, yep. tough games. Um, but I just think they're the best. Uh to your point, like C.J. Stroud, we, we don't know how good he is yet, but he obviously beat a lot of great competition in camp, which means something for Ohio State. Uh, it means something for Ryan Day. Um, so those are my four teams. So I got Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Wisconsin. Um, and then my championship is Ohio State over Clemson. Um, that's So Ohio State's my national champion. Um, but I have I – have, Clemson beating Alabama, 2-3. And Ohio State beating Wisconsin again, 1-4. Um, and then Ohio State beating Clemson in the national championship. That's some wild picks. I don't think the Big Ten gets two. I don't think the committee would let a team play back-to-back games, you know, champ, Big Ten championship, and then put them in the playoffs. But I could see it happening. Clemson played Notre Dame. Yep, that's true. All right, all right, fair enough. All right, so my picks uh, for the playoffs – uh, number four, I think this is the first year in a while that we get a Pac-12 team in there. I got Arizona State at four. Uh, my number three team, I have Miami. 
with them winning the ACC, they might struggle and lose game one to Alabama. And that, that would be like the only blip on their record. I still think they could actually win that game at a neutral field. Uh, my number two team is Wisconsin after winning the big 10 and my number one team is Georgia. So Georgia is beating Arizona state too heavy on the defensive side compared to Arizona state's offense. And then um, I have Wisconsin playing Miami. Wisconsin's beating Miami in that game. De'Aaron King, and again, Manny Diaz is going to blow it somehow. So I have Wisconsin, Georgia, and I have Wisconsin finally putting it all together and winning the national championship, representing the Big Ten. That's what we got. That's That was the hottest production I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before we flip to the Bears interview, again, this is episode one of the Tub Club. Thank you for listening. Make sure, uh, again, we have a great interview with the Bear that we're going to turn to now. Uh, our next episode, we'll be doing our week. We're going to call it zero slash one picks. Also with another, I don't know if electric is the best word with Frank the Tank. Uh, he seemed a little tired, but still, it's Frank the Tank. I mean, we got some good content out of it. The show even aired a clip of uh, our Frank the Tank interview, which we've already recorded. Find out some really good information, good stuff. But, Larry, let, let's have a year. Futures are always tough, uh, especially when you can't even remember Penn State's quarterback's name. Um, you know, <laughs> McSorley uh-huh. just is – I don't know. He's just stuck in my head. But, uh, anyways, here yeah. we go. Now we have the bear. Either uh, you can either back our picks or fade our picks. Uh, I mean, we gave you definitely gave you some winners. So uh, we'll I be recommend- keeping tally. We'll be keeping tally. Yeah, um, one of us will be the champ by the end of the season. Um, but yeah, no, in- enjoy the conversation with the bear. He's just a regular guy that loves sports. Um, hearing his history about college game day and the best. I mean, it's the best college football show on the planet um talking to him was awesome it's awesome so now without further ado here's the bear how are you i'm good man how are you i'm good thanks oh man so, hey, well, this is my co-host, Larry. He's on the What's going on? So, Bear, I just want to start off by saying thank you so much, man, for, like, this is our inaugural podcast. We're oh, wow. Go. I'm honored. Yeah, no, man, you, you, you're, you're the greatest, man, and we, we appreciate that. Of course. And sorry for the technical difficulties. It's all right. Yeah, I was getting that air message saying that you did. there was another meeting in progress. So I couldn't get it. So all good. No worries. All good. All good. You did the same thing to me earlier. I was getting the same air message. Yeah. <laughs> at, least I, at least I can't take it personal now. <laughs> true, true. So, Bear, hey, we'll start right off. We're going to kind of like segment this into like the two sections. Like number one, like personal, like, you know, how you got to where you are. And then number two, college football. Is that okay with you? Yeah, totally. Cool, man. So the first thing I want to know, 
is you joined game day in 96. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That was my first year on the trip. Kirk and I started out the same year. All right. So you've had 15, 25 years experience. Yep. And I want to know who's the craziest guest picker or like just funniest moment you've had from a guest picker. Uh, the, the, the Bill Murray guest picker segment at the uh, Clemson, I guess it would have been Clemson, Florida State game in 2013, yeah. maybe it would have been. That was hysterical. <laughs> he, he was an absolute nut. He, he was chipping golf balls uh, over, uh, <laughs> over, over my head. He, was, he body slammed Lee Corso and, and fake stabbed him with the, with the flaming spear. Uh, that, that, was a, uh, that was a wild uh, uh, pick segment. That, that, that was hysterical. Uh, obviously, the Katy Perry segment is uh, one that everybody remembers from when right, we're in the right, Grove. Right. Uh, and, and even one of the more unique ones that was really good was when we had the Oregon Duck kind of act out himself and be a uh, celebrity guest picker and didn't speak, but he just used a bunch of a bunch of props and, and things like that. And that was hysterical as well. But as a person, uh, Bill, Bill Murray was, uh, Bill Murray, in my opinion, by fine. far the best. Yeah, he was, oh, he yeah. was great. I love it. I love it. Um, so on a... Another kind of like kind of to add on to that question, right, is I want to know if if you could have a beer one night with Lee Corso, Kirk Herbstreet or Desmond Howard, who are you picking? Oh, it's got to be Lee. (laughs) It's it's Lee 100 percent because. Uh, well, number one, I don't know if that could possibly happen because he goes to bed pretty early these days. But <laughs> it, might, it might be it might be a way to spike his beer and uh, keep him up a little bit because he he has enough stories when he's uh, not sitting down at the bar chatting or whatever. But yeah. uh, I could just imagine I could just imagine if we get him sitting down at the bar nice and late and <laughs> give him one all, all the uh, all the old stories from Florida State and and him playing and, and his coaching days at Indiana and Louisville. Uh, who who knows what's liable to uh, to come out of the ball there? So it's absolutely late, one hundred percent. That's awesome. Larry, what do you got? What do you got? Yeah, so, I mean, most kids growing up watch cartoons on Saturday morning. We grew up watching College Game Day. Um, that's yes, that's what we grew up doing Saturday mornings. Uh, you've been doing the show since 96. What still drives you and motivates you to put out the best product and the best show on the planet when it comes to college football? Uh, just that different uh, every week is kind of – unexpected and different we, we, we everyone likes to have fun with with tim kirkjian and his and his baseball anecdote about you never know what you're going to see when you go to the ballpark it, uh, it, it's kind of the same way with college football you never know what's going to happen on any given saturday in, in, in the sport you could have a, a massive massive upset or a record-setting performance or, or something that completely changes the the landscape so it, it's just the, the the love of the sport and really not knowing uh, what's going to happen on on any given day? It just keeps you keeps you sharp. And, and, and the same thing, I, I think being out on the road uh, really energizes me. Uh, I, I love being out at the games. I love being around the fans. I, I love the excitement of working a, a live television show and then the game that night. Uh, it really puts my mind in a uh, a good spot. And I just don't know what I'd be doing if I wasn't involved uh, mm-hmm. in, in this show. So it's a variety of those factors. Yeah, I mean, you guys have done a great job evolving with the sports gambling now. It's the environment's changing, and you guys seem to be on top of that right away. It's impressive. Yeah, one of the things that I'm I'm most proud about uh, with the show is that we were 
kind of the first show with ESPN outside of uh, Chris Berman's uh, Swami and the two minutes uh, in terms of an actual studio show. Uh, we would slide in the reference of the closer than the experts think, uh, win by a touchdown and a field goal. We, we would slide in some some, some Vegas-related notes. Uh, but really, uh, and I guess it was probably 2012 or so was finally the year that uh, we were kind of like, you know, you know what, we have, we have people who know how to talk about this. Uh, we have people who lived it and been around it a while. We have people who are respected. Uh, we're going to create this role for you to, to really interject and, and throw some things out there in an educated way. And I, I think uh, we look kind of smart for it. I think our show gained a, a lot of respect because we were able to do that. And we weren't afraid to uh, face the, uh, the the issue. Yeah, really an issue, but face it head on. Like we're not stupid enough to act like, like, well, we don't know. No one's dare. No, no, no one in our audience is dare. Right, right. Our game. Like, like we realize what our audience is. We we were all college students once. We were all right out of school. We we know the cities of Las Vegas and all the uh, the the, lo- the local bookies exist. Like we know what people want. So uh, I think the fact that we realized that and just chose to kind of embrace it in a smart way, uh, as opposed to just completely avoiding it, I think uh, that was one of the better decisions the show has made. Uh, in recent years. So, Bear, a quick question for you. Is that, like, whose decision was it? Because if I remember correctly, you were the first one who ever put out picks with spreads on college game day. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there would be, like, hey, I like this team, I like this team, you know, yep. so on and so forth. But, like, you, I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you were the first person that actually put out, like, spreads on the board and, you know, gave your yep. bear as to who you who you had covering. Yeah, I was. And I give uh, Lee Fitting, who was the coordinating producer of the game day at the time, and now he runs the college football project at ESPN. Uh, he's someone who I, and even Kirk Kirk and Chris as well, uh, but, but yeah. mainly it was Lee's call to basically say, hey, uh, you know what you're talking about. Uh, people respect your opinion. We're going to, we can do it in a way that even if you are not betting on a game, if you simply say we show an Ohio State, Michigan State line and, hey, Ohio State's a, a 14 and a half point favorite over Michigan State. But remember, uh, under Mark D'Antonio, Michigan State, uh, he's won seven games uh, as a 14 point underdog or more in the last 10, get whatever. And, and even if you're not betting on the game, you're like, wow, really? It's so so basically, they might actually, even though they're 14 point underdog, they might actually have a chance today. So uh, I, I right. think we've done a really good job in trying to create either devices or storylines that even if you're not betting on a game, uh, you're going to find the information useful. And it's funny. You, it's, it's funny. Real quick, real quick, real quick. On that note, make sure that you're following Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast on iTunes, Spotify too. Yes. Yeah, yep. and Spotify. Follow that for the first best information in college football and follow us for second. But anyways, go ahead, Larry. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I listen to you guys on the ESPN app too. That the app's great. Uh, but um, I, it's funny to think of that, like the major upsets back in the day. Like I, I wonder what App State, how big of a dog they were to like Michigan and thinking back on like seeing yeah. those, hey, like who bet on, like where's the money? on the money the, line the, the, oh. the funny thing is i i, I don't think like, like we that's a great conversation to have because i'm not necessarily sure 
Like, I mean, I don't think they would have been like a 30-point underdog because those were good Appalachian State teams. And, and Michigan was kind of a, like, from a from the name, the shock value of it, uh, it was a massive upset. But but at the same time, I think like the USC loss to, uh, to Stanford was certainly a, a bigger point spread. And I wouldn't be surprised if the, uh, like the West Virginia home loss to Pitt at the end of the 2007 season, it wasn't big, but but the sheer like shock value of Appalachian State's going to the big house to start the year and, and pull pull an upset. Uh, that 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 is what really makes that upset so big. But but yeah, I it's I, I wish we had uh, the historical spreads for all those games. I'm sure I could dig it up somewhere just to You're find right. out whether I'm right or wrong here. So we're we're in in kind of adding to that. Where do you find that value? as a normal college football better, like, you know, Appalachian State, Michigan, perfect example, to know that Appalachian State is going to be, you know, a team that can compete and should be a 30-point spread, right? Well, I, I, th- I think a lot of it is looking – I mean, remember at the, at the time, that Appalachian State had been a very successful FCS program, and yep. uh, Michigan, like I said, was kind of in a, tra- a transitional era as well. Um, but I mean, just spinning it forward in general, uh, there's so much information out there nowadays in terms of specialty websites devoted to, to right, right. non-FBS football. Uh, th- those numbers usually don't come out until later in the week because uh, they're not they're not really technically uh, boarded slash rotation games. Uh, so they're they're added games later in the week because the uh, Vegas and, and the offshores know that people. Do you want to bet on those games? Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the information is out there. And a lot of times it's more of a, uh, some of these things are more situational than anything else where uh, you knew that Michigan had a game the next week uh, against Oregon, which was a game that they were looking forward to. They probably figured they could just go out there with a, with a B effort and, and, and get by okay. a lot. And I think that's the mentality of a lot of these schools, even uh, I mean, last year was a weird, a weird season, obviously, but you could say the same thing about, about a team like Iowa State, who uh, they probably thought they could just go, but give a B effort uh, against Louisiana and win that game. And uh, they allow what, three non-offensive touchdowns in the game and had a bunch of guys out with COVID and, and, and lost at home. So, uh, I'll, I'll, so much of it is psychological with these big favorites just thinking because they're playing a group of five team or an FCS team that they can simply just walk out on the field and be better. Uh, that's certainly not the case these days. So Bear, I graduated from Iowa State. I watched oh, that game. Man. Yeah, I know. Man. But hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, virtual, throw you a virtual hug. Virtual hug. Well, no, I'm gonna throw you a curveball. I'm a Hawkeye fan. Ooh. All right. <laughs> All right. That being said, right. I saw that game. And I think Iowa State is completely overrated. Um, oh, wow. Gee, there's a shocker. And I, a Hawkeye fan thinking Iowa State is overrated. <laughs> never, ever, ever heard that one before. The amount of vitriol I get from, from Iowa fans for, for, no. for, for, prop, for propping up Iowa. Oh, my God. So, so, so tell me this. They return a ton of starters, mm-hmm. right? The Big 12, I think, is transforming into this pass-happy, offensive-happy offense into it's slightly turning more into that defensive game, right? Um, That being said, I don't think Iowa State can put up points like other teams can. However, I feel their defense is good, but 
They ain't beating Oklahoma. They ain't beating TCU. Beat Oklahoma last year. I I get that much. Years ago. You got Rattler. Rattler at quarterback right now, right? Yep, he played last year on the game. Oh, he did? Yeah. Props props to you. This is why we have people like you on. Uh, I think Purdy's better than Rattler anyways. Oh, boy. I think I was thinking beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 this year. The the thing with Iowa State getting better, like just to circle it back to what you were talking about, is they can – that that's kind of the beauty I think of the, of Matt Campbell's team is if you want like the game in in, a, in Norman a couple of years ago the way they had the two point conversion failed that uh, yeah. where they where they lost yeah like yeah, that yeah. was a high scoring game like they they can play that game or they're just as content going gain of four second and six gain of four third and two first down move the sticks and and just kind of bludgeon you out there with a, a short pass run game and, and win it with their defense. And I think that's kind of the problem, I think, in the Big 12 for a lot of these teams that, that there were so many teams out there that are just used to spread, hot, run a lot of plays, tempo that yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of keeps them off the field a lot of times when they, when they hold ball 40 minutes and, and just go up and down the field on you. So uh, it, it is going to be an interesting – interesting season i think though in in, in Ames because uh, now there are expectations for the first time ever i mean i'm not going to say in a long time for the, ever ever yeah, yeah. they're 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 a senior laden team with all those guys coming back and the question i've been saying too though is like uh, is everyone a year late i was on them last year i got laughed at i got mocked and there they were yeah about 20 yards from winning the big 12 title um that game uh, in Ames, uh, second week of the year against Iowa is going to go a long way, I think, in determining the course of the year because uh, it's a team that Matt Campbell and Iowa State haven't been able to beat. Uh, they very easily could have won a couple of those games. Uh, one was in overtime, and then another one was that, <laughs> the, uh, the, the botch punt a couple of years ago in that weird weather game. Uh, so I, I think if Iowa were to go to Ames and win again, uh, how the, uh, the Cyclones respond to that. Uh, would be interesting to see, but at the same time, on the flip side, if they are finally able to to get over that Iowa hump, uh, the sky's the limit, I think, for, uh, for Iowa State. So convince me, and this will be the last thing we talk about Big Twelve, but convince me why TCU isn't going to win the Big Twelve. I, I think I think they need a health is probably the health is number one, and True. number two is just Gary Patterson, the, man. Like yeah, he's, the, the he's returning everybody. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing. Like, this is probably the deepest team that they have, uh, you know, certainly in the skill positions since that 2014 team that um, nearly made the college football playoff. Yeah, yeah. However, the, the health is number one, especially with, with, with that stuck in a quarterback. And number two would be, can they finally win some of these close games? This is a team that has lost boatloads of close games yeah. the last couple of years. And uh, you would think at some point uh, it's going to kind of re- regress to the mean and they're going to win some of these games. But but at the same time, until they actually do it, uh, who knows? But, but I, I, I do like TCU this year. I, I think I think the Big 12 hierarchy is Oklahoma, Iowa State, TCU uh, in, in that order. Gotcha. And, uh, and, and it would not – like if, if there was a, a prop out there, like the, the could you get a price on uh, the Big 12 game will – 
will not feature Oklahoma or Texas. Like, like basically, it would mean it would be Iowa State versus TCU. That's not the worst stab in the world at all. Yeah, no, I um, I don't like Texas's quarterback this year. Unproven. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be Card. Uh, I mean, because Casey Thompson, I don't know if he necessarily fits everything that Sark wants to do, but I'm sure he will be on the field. But that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow with the Texas quarterback situation, because if it's not Casey Thompson and he loses out, he'll probably wind up uh, moving on after this year. Right. Well, Steve Sarkeesian can turn any offense into a powerhouse, but I don't think he has his players right now. That's, I guess, just my two cents. Right. Well, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, outside of B. Outside of, uh, B. John Robinson, uh, there's a lot. Oh, of yeah, yeah, the running back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, if I have to go through another year hearing about how Jordan Whittington is this next great game-breaking player at Texas and having and see him get hurt in the second game of the year, I mean – I can't take it, but yeah, with Sark, it's very easy to have your scheme and the simplicity of it uh, look great when you got uh, Tua Tagovailoa and Mac Jones and right, Monte right. Smith and Jalen Waddle and Najee Harris. And all the, it's easy to do it there, but now we'll see uh, what happens when he doesn't have uh, all of those great five-star recruits and the performance level at the quarterback position that he had in, in Tuscaloosa. Gotcha. Well, hey, I have one more question before Larry hops in here. So we did our research. Uh, obviously, you're a very knowledgeable guy. Uh, I watched the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics uh, conference that you did back in 2013. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah, when we were kind of forecasting the playoff. You, you quote in that interview, you say, you know what? Our biggest problem is going to be who are we going to determine for four and five? And you know what? You're, you're a future teller. <laughs> uh, but real quick, uh, kind of a side note, and then I'll let Larry hop in here, is that you grew up a Penn State fan. I did. You went to the University of Miami. I did. If Penn State and Miami play at a neutral field, neutral field, whose jersey, whose jersey are you wearing? Or whose color? Oh, Miami. Miami. My, my, for real? Miami for sure. Miami, yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> that, that's, where, that's where I grew up, Penn State fan, because I, I had a lot of family in uh, northeastern Pennsylvania. And that mean, I, I, look, I grew up on Long Island, so it's not like <laughs> it's, a college, it's a college football hotbed. Right. And so right, be, right. Being, being around my, my cousins in Pennsylvania who are diehard and still are, Penn State fans like that, that was the college football that I knew in addition to the, the Notre Dame replays on, on on Sunday morning that we used to get at the house so but uh, yeah just just like, like I worked in the athletic department for four years I, I never saw Miami lose a home game I was there during the 58 oh, yeah. game home winning streak uh, have a national championship ring uh, working in that athletic department allowed me to kind of create a path to, to, to get where I am now so I owe everything to uh to, to Miami and certainly athletic department. So that, that is a no brainer for me. All right. That's funny. You mentioned it. I, I'm, I grew up in Boston. I don't really have an affiliation growing up. I defaulted to West Virginia. Cause I got to watch Rich Rod. Mm-hmm. Cause that, I mean, that was the closest team to me in new England. Uh, but I, I Come went on now. B- 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 BC was right there now. Come on, Matty ice. Yeah, BC is just a private <laughs> school. People from actually Boston don't 
are big BC fans. I'm aware. I, yeah, I, I'm aware of that. I have quite a few friends who went to BC, and it, they they get so frustrated about that as well. Yeah, I mean, I went to BC football camp growing up in high school too. But uh, yeah, I mean, I went to Coastal Carolina, so I mean, I'm diehard Coastal. Oh wow! I'm not. Wow. They'll go 12 and 0 this year, win the Big South. <laughs> the only issue is they, their strength of schedule is just it's not there. It's, right. It's it's tough, um, and I don't think BYU is going to come knocking again um, after that last year. A uh, little interesting fact of the day: BYU has the least strength of schedule in the entire uh, Division One college football. Yeah, that, that, that's a problem. That, that that was one of the bigger issues uh, that they had uh, last year, and that's one of the issues with, with being independent. I mean, you it's you're not getting those automatic games with conference opponents that, that are going to boost that schedule. You kind of got to go out and schedule a lot of uh, group of five teams that really aren't going to boost that the level. Yeah, I'm curious to see how BYU is going to do this year. You lose, uh, you lose Zach Wilson, you, you lose your offensive coordinator and Jeff Grimes. So that, that, that's going to be a, an interesting team to, to see how they, how, how they fare this year. Uh, so yeah, moving on. Um, with the new NILs, do you see that changing the landscape of college football? Nope. And so <laughs> how is that going to change kind of the landscape that we know today? It's just, I mean, the, the rich are going to get richer. I mean, that, that's, that's all that, it, in my opinion, that's what we're going to see. Okay, um, and, and we can edit this out, but let's be honest, Bear, is that players were getting paid the whole time. Right. Yeah. This is, this is just, this is just the, yeah, you, 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 you're, we're not, you know, we're, we're not talking about all the alleged recruiting improprieties that right, right, reportedly, right. reportedly are going on. Uh, like, but you look at the, the big money schools that have the, the, the bigger boosters and the, in the bigger conferences with um, yeah, bigger, bigger, bigger uh, resources and connections. Like, like that's what it's, this is not going to level playing field you I mean i think you could even argue that uh, it, it's going to tilt it even more that these that these schools are going to have more avenues now to bring in and to keep uh, star players happy now, now that's just my opinion we'll, we'll see if i'm right or wrong I, i'm not one of these guys who was like gaga over oh my god the nil what's happening now it's the great it's oh i gotta read out like if it was an nil story like i wouldn't even like care to read it. I'm, I'm like, it's like, fine, good. They want to pay some players. Fine, you, you have a job. Okay, that's good. That's great. It's a, I didn't treat it as like this end all be all of, oh, this is going to be great and everyone's going to be in the second to be like that at all. Um, yep. So we'll, we'll see. So, I mean, like Bryce Jones making a million dollars, but right. me and Larry, I, well, I'm pretty sure Larry, Agree that Bryce Young is garbage. We're going back to the Alabama <laughs> days past where it's pure defense and you have a game manager. Larry, who's the quarterback again from Alabama defense days? So, I mean, it's you compared him to Greg McEnroy, John Parker Wilson, and yeah. AJ McCarron. Bear, do you see the same thing? Rewind me again. I had a FaceTime popping up. Oh, no, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 it's fine. Um, Bryce Young is terrible, 
and they're reverting back to the days of having a quarterback be a game manager rather than a playmaker and going well, back to I, the I defense owning the say, game. I wouldn't say well, – well, that part of it I think is correct, the second part of it, that I, that I do think that this is a, a team – that Nick Saban will enjoy maybe a little bit more than some of the other teams right. that he's had in the fact that it is more of a defensive minded team uh, where the defense is probably going to carry them uh, earlier in the year. I and mean, maybe they won't be in as many 52, 48 type of games right, right, uh, right. like they are in their face. But, but at the same time, I think it's unfair to say Bryce Young is garbage um, because we haven't, <laughs> even, we haven't seen him. <laughs> he's a high, he's a highly talented. You know, it's, it's safe to say and perfectly fair to say uh, we don't know how good he can be. We we don't know what he is because he hasn't seen the field very much. That that's fair. But but um, I want to how we how we based on how he played in the spring. I mean, yep. he, he he looked okay. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, I, 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 know people, I know people. I know I know people. I know people out there that don't think there's going to be too much of a fall off from what they saw from. From Matt Jones last year, so we'll see what happens. Fair enough. I'm well, the, 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 good, the good thing is, we're gonna, the good thing is we're going to know we're going to know early in the year because uh, they, they got Miami, who they, they should handle. And they got Florida early in the year as well, so uh, it'll be good. But baptism by fire, just the way it should be in college football. Real I mean, quick, Larry. Real quick, before you go, my lock of the year is Miami plus nineteen neutral field against Alabama. Derek King. Uh, they got their uh, wide receiver back, Cook. I think his name is. Uh, uh, my my Carly, my Carly, my Carly's there. Is there cool. little Thank slot you. guy? And, and then they and then uh, uh, Will Mallory is the big uh, the big tight end. So tell me that that's the lock of the year. It's not the lock of the year. <laughs> um, you, see, you see Miami. You see Miami's rush defense against North Carolina and the defense against uh, Oklahoma State in the bowl game. Uh, it's it's a problem. And when your strongest unit of the year last year was your defensive line and you lose three guys right. from that yeah. line yeah. that wind up being drafted, um, it, it's going to be a very tough ask, I think, for Miami to slow down Alabama to start the year. And that being said, maybe Garrett King will create and they can, and, and they can put up some points. But I, I think if the way you, if you look at how uh, Miami has done lately, some of their bigger tests against uh, ranked teams, whether it's uh, whether it's North Carolina or whether it's Clemson or a team like or LSU, uh, it hasn't necessarily gone very well. So uh, it's going to be a big test. It's going to be a big test for uh, for Manny Diaz and taking the defense back over to try and slow down and figure out a way to to stop that Alabama offense because uh, what we saw last year from the Miami rush defense, especially, uh, was not promising. Understood. There you go ahead, man. Uh, I mean, just back to the NIL. I mean, I, so, I mean, my take would be, I, I mean, I see players uh, like players that are projected to be fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh round NBA draft picks. I, I, I think they may lean on staying in college if they can get played. Can get sure. played. Um, and we may see more like the best player on a team, that's maybe a non-power five team. I guess that already happens, but we may see more players play three or four years um, if they can get paid. Well, yeah, I, I think certainly the level in which you can get paid uh, is certainly going to affect it. And, and I think this is one of those things where uh, we've seen it in college basketball 
uh, with the transfer portal. And, and I'm sure we're going to see it uh, to some extent in college football. And I'm sure we have already, even though I don't have a, uh, an example right off the top of my head, where you talked about some of these group of five teams uh, that have a star player who maybe he will go to a, to a, an Alabama or a, a USC or whatever, and he can find himself making a little bit of money uh, at some of those big, bigger and bigger name schools, as opposed to to going to the uh, to the NFL draft because it's an opportunity to get paid and and be in college, and then uh, you still have that draft next year. So uh, the, the, the 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 portal and NIL it's certainly going to create um, some 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 choices and some decisions and some unintended consequences. I think for a lot of uh, players and teams and schools as well. So you can almost look at the reverse way with like Tate Martell transferring to UNLV. Like I mean, <laughs> he's going to, I, I couldn't, buy, yeah, I couldn't hand, believe hand injury today, by the way. I, I couldn't believe when I, when I read that a couple of weeks back that he was still like hanging out, hanging around, hanging on in college. I'm like, I'm like, he actually has eligibility. Like, I couldn't <laughs> believe it that, that, that he was, I mean, that's uh-huh. got, I mean, it's funny because I can remember hearing from somebody like when people were so excited about him at a, I can't remember. It was one of the Ohio state bowl games that they were in and someone was out of practice and they were just like, really, this is, this is the guy who everyone's (laughs) talking about. And and, and then I remember the the next year when everybody was all excited that he was transferring to Miami. And I'm just like, uh, we'll see based on what I heard. And sure enough, the, the guy couldn't wind up throwing the ball from from here to my uh, trophy cabinet. So he got Wally pipped by uh, Justin Fields, right? Yes. The Wally got Wally. Actually, was it Justin Fields or uh, no? Justin Fields no, at Georgia it? and then Derek King at Miami. Well, JT. Uh, actually, actually, it was even before that. He, he was at Miami with. Uh, with Kosi Perry and Jaron Williams, oh, the two guys okay. who weren't even he he bolted he bolted he bolted before that. So I <laughs> who was he? No, it was uh, it was Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne was Haskins. Oh, okay, too, right? okay, okay. Haskins. Yeah, JT Barrett was there too. Getting Wally pipped is the worst. So, Bear, <laughs> we'll finish up. I have two final questions. Again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, just so awesome of a person of your caliber hopping on this podcast and just talking to us normal guys just you know doing what you do well, that, that's kind of it's not a problem at all and that, that's what i love about this is i kind of and i hope it's why people kind of enjoy what i do and listen to what i say because oh I, absolutely I, I'm, I'm, I'm just like you i'm just like you too i'm a i'm a normal guy who eats drinks sleeps and breeds college football i love the sport and i have no agendas or i don't have anybody that i right. that, that i that i have a an agenda for so i, I just love talking about the sport so, so happy to do it so on that note before i switch over to larry real quick i guess i have three final questions i'm gonna start with one and i'm gonna end it with two of them number one is that i read you covered the 2010 world cup in south africa yes it was awesome You've done best thing major- i've ever been involved in well, then you might have answered my question already. My question is, is that of all sporting events you've ever covered, even though knowing that you're a college football fan, what's the most, we'll say, intense event that you've ever been to? Now, that's different. 
That that that, that in from, from well, in, okay. Let me let me let me let, let me ask you a question to, to yeah. put it on you. Intense inter, intense being the workload of my week or my event and my my actual work being intense or the sporting event itself and the atmosphere around it. Yeah, strictly fandom. Strictly fandom. Uh, okay. Now, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna have to <laughs> actually that, 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 that I've that I've worked or attended. Attended. Yeah, no, you have to be there in person. Like I okay. went to the Cubs World then, Series then, then, game then, right here, baby. Then it is the final game of the of the 1998 baseball or the 97 baseball season. 97, 98, 98, 98. Uh, where Mark McGuire hit home run 69 70. We were you actually were there? in yes. We were game day was in Lincoln the previous day for Nebraska Washington, yeah. and I we uh, myself and Chris Fowler were there. We're in in St. Louis. Our flights connected, and we took we took a flight from Lincoln to St. Louis. Uh, yeah. Went to the game and then flew home after that. That was, and again we we didn't know what we knew. Now we kind of had clues and hints um, about that. But but being in that stadium that day, uh, wow. it was unbelievable it, it was yeah. an awesome awesome experience uh, but because i kind of led it to you uh, the 2010 world cup was yeah. it unbelievable it, it was it was the best thing that i've ever been involved in uh, at espn just being in south africa for uh, six or seven weeks and in just meeting the people that i met and being around yeah and we, in, we in beat ghana country. that year to make it to the group stage right or to the yeah yeah yeah, yeah they do it all they, they lost to Ghana uh, oh yeah they beat yeah. Algeria they beat Algeria on that final final yep. uh, group stage game and then they lost to Ghana uh, in in the round of sixteen so gotcha. but yeah that that was just simply incredible and then the way the way I phrased it uh, intensity in terms of my workload or just being there like when ESPN ABC had the U.S. Open and the British Open golf, yeah. those weeks were long, Off. intense hours. But it was fun. <laughs> it was because we were we were on the air basically 16 hours a day with, with golf, it seemed like, and, and just sitting there with 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 Tariko and Andy North and Curtis and yep. Zinger and Dottie and whoever else just kind of just firing out notes and just and just chatting those <laughs> those were long, intense work days. So uh, they're, they're they're the uh the different stri- uh categories of, uh, of of intensity i love it so i mean that's that was what i was gonna ask you uh i read you you grew up by shinnecock hills mm-hmm. how, how hard is that golf course like i was I, looking i've i've never played it oh which, really which I, i've never played it but uh it, it, it it's a it's a brutally hard course in the, in the usga uh kind of made it even harder than it needed to be uh, for for that last U.S. Open, um, yeah, I was looking the 20, 2018 Brooks won it at plus one, which is unreal. Because yeah, they, they 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 totally screwed up the uh, uh, the Saturday the, the Saturday part of it, where it, if you went out in the afternoon, you basically had no shot. Or, or I mean, guys like uh, uh, Tommy Fleetwood and some others basically got caught on the the, the Saturday leaders basically caught the the short end of the stick. And um, and because of that, Brooks was able to uh, to grind it away. 
Yeah, I mean, I looked in the last five years and it was like six under, nine under at wing foot. And then you see that 2018, it's plus one at Shinnecock Hill. It's like, oh, that must have been brutal. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Bear, uh, two quick things or three quick things. And, I'll, and I'm done. I swear I'm done. Uh, number one, we're on from one question to two. To, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm done. I, I'm, I'm pulling up PMT, PMT style. Have you ever been on part of my take? I have not. I, I, I know, I know Big Cat, but I have not been on with those guys yet. Well, you, I'll, yeah, well, I, I won't do anything, obviously, <laughs> but I would heavily love to see you on there. But the three quick things number one, uh, on Instagram, you are a culinary expert. What's your best dish and who cooks it? Is it you or your wife? No, me. First okay. of all, me. Uh, I, I, my, I, I am told that my lasagna is world class, which, okay. I, which I am happy about and I would expect it to be. So that's, uh, that is certainly my, uh, my, uh, if, if I had to go on and beat Bobby Flay, I, I would, I would throw my lasagna out there against, uh, against anybody's bet. All right, cool. Number two, and I'm almost done here. Um, I have it down here. Um, shoot uh number two is all right well i'll just jump to number three because that's the only one i remember uh <laughs> three is can we call lee corso on the phone right now no we can't. No? no well, well we could could we yes we could but we're not going <laughs> <laughs> all right all right i had to throw it out there that was all i had larry anything to finish up with <laughs> I mean, if you, I, I, can you give, I want to, can you give us uh, your favorite win total over and under? Uh, over is Oregon. Uh, it's over nine. And, and I think even if they were to go to Columbus and lose second week of the year, you're still looking at a team that is better top to bottom than, um, than anybody uh, in the Pac-12 that they're going to play in the regular season. Maybe they can get tripped up once. Uh, in Salt Lake, or maybe they get tripped up once in Seattle, but like their win totals nine, I think ten and two is still a very, very likely situation for Oregon, especially with uh, the defense coming back with Thibodeau and, and Sewell and some of the other guys coming back after opting out last year or being injured. Um, I think they'll be okay on offense, but because Tyler Shuck really declined you know, towards the end of last year, and uh, basically the entire line is back, Dell is back receivers are back so, so Joe Moorhead will have plenty of uh, weapons on offense to uh, to put up points and then under is Indiana I think there's still some eights out there on in Indiana um, Michael Penix what they did what they did literally can he stay can he make it through the entire year healthy he's, yeah. he's yet to do that and, and, and that's a problem uh, everything like kind of was the perfect storm for them last year I mean, you, you catch Michigan as bad as they're ever going to be catch Wisconsin as bad as they're ever going to be play a terrible Michigan state team. You get a massive break uh, against Penn state in the opener. Now, now look, they won these games and they uh, stopped a lot of streaks uh, in doing so, but you open up uh, on the road at Kinnick. Uh, you got Cincinnati as a non-conference game. Still got Ohio state. You got to go to Penn state. Like eight, not nine and three isn't happening for IU this year. You lose Open to Walmart, you lose too. Jamar Johnson. Yeah. So like, uh, if they go eight and four and I push, that's fine. But, but I certainly don't think 
uh, Indiana is headed towards a nine and three season. So Indiana under eight would be the uh, the under that I like the most. All right. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I'm, so basically, we should bet our rent on Oregon to win the Pac-12. I heard. Um, I would. I would. More, I would more just go with the over nine, okay. uh, because obviously there is a chance that they play. If they play um, USC or Arizona State, or Oregon again, or Arizona State, or someone in, the, in that Pac-12 championship game, they, they, they in theory could lose. But um, but yeah, Oregon to win the Pac-12 certainly isn't a a, a bad uh, a bad play either. All right, well, Bear, last I finally remember my number two question. I remembered it, done. perfect. And then we're done. I'm so sorry, and I appreciate I. Man, I really appreciate everything, you know, just hopping on this podcast. But this is from the bookies basement, who I write for out of Philly, even though I'm in Iowa. They want to know, is Kent State going to win the MAC at plus 1,400? I don't think so. I don't don't think defensively they're good enough uh, to win the MAC. They're going to score a ton of points, uh, but but I I don't don't think that's – the, the best play. I just don't think defensively uh, they are good enough to do so. I mean, Ball State obviously got a bunch of guys coming back. Now, now look, I will never talk anybody off a uh, of, a, of a long shot. Yeah. Um, because I, I would feel awful if someone likes a long shot to win. <laughs> uh, but but I mean, I, I can't see that 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 happening just because of, uh, in, in that in that league, basically everybody can, can pretty much score points and. Hey, they can, they can score a lot of points too, but um, action, baby. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sold on Kent State. I, uh, the funny thing is, I actually um, a couple of other win totals in the uh, the, uh, the the Northern Illinois win total is another one that I like going under on NIU. There's some bad teams in the MAC this year. Kent State is certainly uh, not one of them, and I certainly think uh, be interesting to see if, uh, if Kent State keep their coach around a little bit longer. I know, uh, I know there's some people pretty worried that he. Uh, uh, one more good year, and he might be out the door. Gotcha. Bowling Green's one of the worst teams. In oh, Tennessee. they're terrible. <laughs> they are awful. Northern Illinois, Akron, Akron is bad. Bowling Green is terrible. Uh, Northern Illinois is down. Yeah, they're just some, some bad football at the bottom of that league. All right. Well, Bear, we don't want to take up too much of your time. Thank you so much for being our very first guest on the podcast. Uh, we'll have the episode out next week. Uh, I'll tag you in it. Everyone go subscribe to Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast, iTunes, Spotify. Greatest podcast regarding college football you can find. Bear, thank you so much for your time, man. You're quite welcome. Great talking to you guys. Yeah.